Welcome to the Eastern Current Saltwater Fishing Podcast presented by Outdoors by Owner. OBO helps the outdoorsmen find the perfect home to rent for their next outdoor pursuit. Whether you're looking for a house right on the shallow water flats of Florida Bay with world-class sight fishing right out your back door, or you want to find a weekend mountain getaway for you and your family, OBO has the house for you. To check out all their incredible properties, visit go-obo.com. On today's podcast, Captain Mike and I discuss late summer trends and what we've been seeing on the water the past few weeks. Hope y'all enjoy. If I'm fishing a jig, you can bet it's going to be an iStrike Texas Eye. Dave and Ralph at iStrike have built the most versatile and durable lineup of jigs in the saltwater industry. Whether you need a finesse presentation on spooky wintertime redfish, or you need to hop a big swim bait on deep water structure for cobia and bull redfish, iStrike has the jig for you. Be sure to check out their website and use code EC10 for up to 40% off all iStrike products and 10% off all Z-Man products. The code can only be used at iStrikeFishing.com and you can find the code and the link to their website in the podcast show notes. There is no stealthier platform to fish the shallow water flats, creeks, and marshes than a pedal drive kayak. The P127 from Bonafide is my choice when I want to get out on a solo trip and access the areas that I can't get to on a flat skiff or a bay boat. It happens far too often in a boat where I have redfish and plenty of water in the back of a creek or bay, but there's a sandbar or series of sandbars between me and the fish and I just can't quite make it to casting distance. But with a kayak, I can drag across the sandbar right to them. Be sure to check out the full lineup of Bonafide kayaks on the website or at Hook, Line, and Paddle here in Wilmington. I will have a link to the Bonafide website in the show notes as well. Captain Mike, good morning. What's going on, man? What a uh, what a day. We're doing a podcast again. We've been grinding through the summer a little... Uh, little low on time and i know we haven't haven't we've missed a couple weeks here but we're getting back into the groove of things stockpiling some podcasts today and uh excited to be back uh behind the mic and talking and behind this mic captain mike bell what's going on oh not much beautiful morning out at least at the moment i know it's it's one of those days i think Uh, we we canceled yesterday or for today and it's one of those days that I think it's like it wants to tease you just enough in the morning to go load the boat up and go drive to the ramp and go do a little scouting mission or something or a little fun fishing and then just blow up in your face. Yeah. I have a feeling that's going to be the case, but don't know until you try it. So we've got a lot to talk about today. I think we're just going to kind of do just a life update podcast and talk a little bit about where our fishery stands right now, what we've been doing. But first, let's do a little update on the tournament we just did. So we just did the first annual Redfish Rodeo uh, Fly Tournament brought to you by Eastern Current and Soundside Outfitters. We had the little award ceremony at Soundside Outfitters. In a few paragraphs, sentences, whatever, Mike, describe kind of your opinion of how the first year went. Mike is the man behind the scene. He's the one that's doing all the eye angler setup and and all the tech side of things, which is kind of funny because Mike's not very techy, but he's really good at this part of it. So kind of to kind of take us through, not not super in detail, but just for people that were curious about the tournament, didn't fish it, or maybe didn't even realize we were doing a fly tournament, tell them, tell them about it just a little bit. So, yes, this is our first annual fly tournament. We're hoping to get these going. We're knowing we're going to do at least one a year. If we, if not, we might be end up doing two a year going forward. Um, we had a lot of positive feedback, which was awesome. 
but the the tournament's set up. It's a one day, one go. Um, so it starts at li- lines in is at sunrise, and we did lines out at three o'clock. Um, you can fish fly only, one fly per rod, um, and you're in a two man team. So you sign up as a team to be able to fish the tournament. You don't have to put. You don't have to fish from a skiff. You can fish from any kind of boat. You can fish from dry land, whatever you would like to. And, yeah, it's um, as many total inches of fish that you can put on the board. And we cap it at 32 inches. And that's just because that's what most standard large measuring boards go to um, for measuring fish. But, um, yeah, you, you can... So you can catch fish bigger than 32 inches, but they only count for 32 inches because that's all we can, you know, measure accurately for. For sure. But um, as many fish as you can put on the board, that goes to your total length. And at the end of the day at 3 o'clock, lines out and what you got is what you got. So tell me what you thought about Perry Shop. You know, we neither of us had been in there yet, but it was just such a cool area for, for the award ceremony to hang out, eat some food. Uh, walk us through that as a fly fisherman and a fly tire. So Perry shop's pretty awesome. He's got a lot of stuff. Um, he doesn't have, like when you walk into the shop, he's kind of got it divided up. He's got, when you walk in on your right, you've got some rods, um, custom rods that are made by Mauser, as long with some of the other rod companies. And then on the left side of the shop is like his fly tying area different things like that. And then towards the back, he's got fly lines and reels and different stuff. But as far as the fly tire, his, I mean, he's got tons of, he's got a ton of really good stuff for our area. Everything from EP brushes and different brands that I've never even seen before. Um, similar things like lively legs and some other stuff. Um, really good selection of pseudo hair and crappers, different stuff in that regard. Um, so yeah, great, great shop. You got plenty of stuff, all the stuff for, you know, shrimps and crabs, eyes, hooks, all that kind of thing. So if you're ever in that area around Swansboro and you need some fly time materials, swing by, check it out. He's right on the water as well. So, um, he's but right there with the boat and go buy some food. Yeah. Or book I was gonna say some go, go buy some stuff. Yeah. So if you're you're on the water up there and you break off or you're looking for something specific, you know, you can run in there and dock up right behind the shop and go in there and hang out, grab what you need and get back on the water. Thank you. Um, but yeah, no, awesome place, big and open. Be able to get out and do some, you know, um, like out back, it's opened up where if you want to go cast some rods or try out something, he's got the room and got the places for it. So, and like I say, it's on the water. So testing out rods, lines, whatever you can go do it and, um, get a good, a real feel for, for what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Definitely a cool hangout and a needed hangout. And I think being in Swansboro is such a great location because it's central of the coast for us here in North Carolina. Like, it's not out of reach for anybody to come make a little, you know, morning or afternoon day trip to the shop if they need something. Um, just a really, really cool shop. Definitely has a lot of soul, if you will. You know, it's it's just a really neat area. So, Perry, thanks for opening that up. We're stoked to uh, to do some more tournaments and events out of there with you here in the future. Um, but yeah, what a fun yeah. tournament! Super cool. 
me and Mike got our butts kicked, but that's all right. And uh, we're uh, we're excited for the next one. But man, let's talk about where our fishery sits right now. So as far as like not like the health of our fishery, but like all right, it's it's August, rolling into September. Hunting season's about to start. It'll pull some people off the water, including myself, um, more than more than uh, usual. And finally kind of getting into a consistent pattern man i'm really starting to think june and july just kind of suck i mean it's we have some good days but june and july are pretty tough months at least for shallow water red fishing i mean you'll get them and and we have the fish are around but man there's just not much unfolding during that time frame i was gonna say this year was a weird year like this june was the i think the coolest or coldest however you want to put that um june since like 1997 so as far as like that summertime pattern i feel like last year we saw it really start to unfold around like the middle of july you know it kind of seemed like we were having that little opening those little spurts of fish pushing shallow and this year like you said we're just now really starting to see it so it's almost like it's a month behind at least a few weeks behind what we were kind of expecting it to be um, it seems like the shrimp are just now really starting to show up, starting to get to that size where they're kind of moving around in the marsh and not just being super tucked up in the very, very back of the feeder creek. So it seems like a lot of those fish are starting to pull out, get onto the main, the main stuff that we haven't really seen them on yet this year. So, um, I'm thinking thinking just with you know what we've seen in the last little bit i think it's going to start turning around and it really is dependent too on like what area you're in um you know me and you fish some stuff north and it seems like it's kind of been more almost like wintertime stuff until this last little bit um i fished some different stuff up there today or yesterday and the fish are still just sitting in group yeah they've broken up um and Typically, by this time of year on a high tide, you know, you can kind of go work anywhere and everywhere and be able to catch some fish on top water or right. whatever. And the fish are just not pulling out of those groups yet. But I also will say that this year we haven't had the mullet. You know, we never really got that big push of mullet um, where they're just everywhere like they normally are. And I think that's got a lot to do with the fish kind of staying in their their zones or in those certain particular smaller areas um the bait's just not everywhere for them to feel confident i guess in cruising around the marsh and really moving location right for sure um it's uh yeah i feel like each year i want to really keep a keep a log honestly just on mullet because it seems like each year it's a little bit further behind and a little bit further behind and it seems like everything's shifting a little bit further north every year, like migrations and timing and just everything. Even the guy yeah. out on the boat yesterday, he was talking about, we got talking about the dry tortugas and Marquesas. He grew up in, in Florida and fishes southwest Florida bunch. And he does quite a few trips down there each year when the weather's good. He has the ability to just kind of take off and go. And he said the permit fishing used to be incredible down there in the dry tortugas um, and the Marquesas. And he said it's really non-existent now, and a lot of that has shifted, you know, middle keys all the way up to Key Largo, where the that biomass of permit kind of resides, which is 
you know, kind of crazy to think about um, even those fish shifting north. You know, give us a couple thousand more years, and we might have a really good permit fisher here in North Carolina. But who knows? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, like, last year we were all sitting on G waiting on the O. It seemed like for the mullet in, like, the middle of June, we are like, all right, they're going to be here any day. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, it's just going to be that, that switch that turns it on. And it just never seemed like it happened. And then it was, like, July 4th, bam. Um, right. They were here. And then this year we've been waiting on it, waiting on it. It still just hasn't happened. For sure. So I don't know if they've they passed us if they stayed south of us because the water temperatures didn't warm up to so late. You know, if we're still going to get them, it's just going to be a later year for them. But yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a little bit of a weird year. It's a little funky down here. But like we were talking a minute ago, I mean, it seems like you know, talking to some of the other guys that have been fishing, it seems like it's really just about to start to kick off. So hopefully. Agree. In the next few weeks, you know, we're really going to see that see that shift, see that change in the marsh, um, and see these fish really start to move around and set in new places. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've teamed up with Florida Fishing Products to outfit my guide service with their spinning reels, braided line, and fluorocarbon leader, and I'm looking forward to giving you some real-world feedback on their gear. I've been enjoying their Osprey CE for all my light tackle, redfish, and speckled trout, and Resolute for my beefier setups for Big Reds, Cobia, Tarpon, and Jacks. I'm looking forward to helping further their mission to equip anglers to fish better, which couldn't align closer with our values here at Eastern Current. Be sure to check out their website, floridafishingproducts.com, or ask about them at your local tackle shop. Temple Fork Outfitters is the rod of choice for all of us here at Eastern Current. Whether we're fly fishing for shallow water redfish, sight casting to cobia from a tower, or dropping live pinfish to grouper in 100 feet of water, they have the rod for the job. Their customer service is unmatched by any rod company out there, and their rods can take the beating of everyday guide use without any issues. My favorite rod for redfish and speckled trout is their 7-foot medium-light tactical inshore spin rod. Be sure to check out their website, tforods.com. Um, it's definitely that, that changing time right now we're seeing, we're seeing all that kind of unfold and whatnot. So excited for the, the change in seasons for sure. It's, it's long overdue, man. It's been so dang hot lately. The water temps are so hot. There's so many areas that can be good this time of year, but the water's just so hot and stagnant that they're lifeless. We kind of bumped into some of that fish in the tournament this past weekend. Um, and you know, it was, it was a total letdown. we put a lot of time into it and nothing unfolded from it. So that's just the way it goes sometimes though. It seems like the the more you can be near that pulse of good fresh water from not fresh water, but good new water from the ocean um, and just some moving currents this time of year, the better off you are. Those fish really, and they'll be far away from it, but there needs to be good tide flow for the redfish. It seems like, because they really want that, yeah. that consistent new fresher water moving in. So for sure. But I was gonna say I think if we if we really start to see the shrimp take off, which it looked like over the past few days when I've been out, I've seen shrimp in new places that I haven't been seeing it in. Um, like yesterday when I went to catch bait, I was seeing shrimp in places I haven't seen it yet this year. So I really feel like they're starting to move and pull kind of towards the inlets and all that kind of stuff. So it should really start to to get it to happen. 
Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, our tactics this time of year. I know we've talked about this before, but just kind of discussing late summer redfish patterns. This is something that we really, you know, this time of year, the, we're mostly redfishing. There, you know, the tr- the yeah. summer trout fishing, it's getting a little hot and tough. You know, early mornings you can get it done. Um, there's, you know, you get a nice overcast day. A lot of times you can catch them throughout the day, but but our shift is fully, really on redfish right now. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, for, as far as the sight fishing goes, it, it's my favorite time of year, August, September, where you know, as we were talking about the shrimp are on the banks, so we're really looking for belly crawlers and tailors and pods of waking fish. Moving down the bake, taking advantage of those the shrimp at a lower tide when they can't hide in the grass and they've got to be out on the edge of the mud. Um, so that that's kind of the ticket is looking for a nice long bank, look for some bird activity, um, and just work down it slowly and just, you know, this is the time of year I'm sight fishing, but I might be looking ahead 500 yards down the bank before, you know, I'm looking yeah. close and I'm looking 500 yards because there's – you can see fish activity from that far away. They can get so aggressive, especially on an incoming tide. Now, let's talk about bait fishing some, though, too. Um, some of the tactics that seem to work for you, Mike, and I'll go over some of the ones that work well for me um, late summer. I was going to say, I mean, this is something that I haven't really keyed in too much on. Like, typically, you know, I'm throwing a Carolina rig with just live finger mullet. And I feel like this time of year, it's really important to have to be able to find two different sizes of mullet typically is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for smaller guys that are in that two to three inch range. And I'm looking for some bigger ones in that four to five inch range. Um, and you'll find that these redfish will key in on one size or the other. Um, especially depending on what area you're in or what size of fish you're, you know, you're targeting. But, um, yesterday we only caught, I think we had 11 and out of those 11, only two of them came on my mullet. I had, started at high tide it was tough to get bait and i got lucky and got some yeah you know maybe 20 or 30 live baits that were of the right size smaller guys and then i had like three big cob mullet and you know by the end of the day we were we were out of live mullet about halfway through the trip and we'd only hook two fish on it i'm like man this is like i know these fish are here i know they're here um so i started cutting up cob mullets and to chunks and putting that out there and man i was i was getting wrecked on it so that was where nine of our fish came from was off the cut mullet and by the end of the day i had one guy i don't know three quarters of the way through the day i had one guy that busted off a carolina rig and i've been keeping all that stuff in the very front of the boat so i didn't feel like walking up there messing with everything to get into it and had a jig head laying there. So I just tied a jig head on through a piece of cup mullet on that. And that seemed to be the ticket. I ended up cutting everybody's Carolina rigs off and just going straight to jig heads. Um, I don't know if it's the presentation, you know, yesterday I was fishing more like grouped up fish. Um, so like they're kind of sitting on a small section of the bank and it seemed like having just that jig head with that piece of cup mullet where you could just slide it in there real quiet and be able to get it in the middle of them was the ticket versus having like you know a big carolina rig and a chunk of bait and all that hitting the water and disturbing them just having that real light finesse presentation where you could pitch it in there made a huge difference but yeah i mean typically this time of year we're you know carolina rig 12 inches shoot there's some days six inches keep it right down on the bottom 
and depending on the tide, you know, get it right up on the edge of the grass, if not in the grass. And lower tides, if you're seeing fish activity, you're seeing that bait move. Um, that's what I always tell clients. Uh, like, so cat, you know, I'll put the boat way out off the bank. And I'm like, all right, we may need to move in to get the bite. We just got to wait and see where the bait kind of looks like it's going down the bank. Because depending on how the bank's, you know, shaped, whether it's tapered or steep drop off or whatever, there's going to be a line that those mullet, and it doesn't matter if it's one group or 20 groups come down the bank, there's going to be a line that those those mullet are on. And those redfish are going to be staged up in that same area to be able to ambush them. So looking for that and just getting that bait in the right spot um, makes a huge difference. So you can be you can be over 100 fish, and if you don't have your bait where they want to eat at, they're more than likely not coming to search for it, you know, cause there's so much bait there. Most definitely. That's, that's what I'm, you know, the, the right on the edge of the grass thing, if I'm fishing a higher water tide uh, or higher tide is so important. You know, I feel confident that if that bait's not within two feet of the grass line, that it's probably yeah. not going to get bit. Those fish aren't coming off that grass. They're not going to come look for it. Um, but Mike and I kind of vary a little bit. I mean, I feel like he's now developing a new opinion with his jig head fishing with bait there's, there's a million there's a million ways to do it i mean maybe not a million but there's plenty of ways to do it i'm a big carolina rig fan i will definitely fish a float but that's only nope. if i'm you know if i'm no i'm fishing over like insanely heavy oysters but i'll throw a carolina rig onto oysters you know if i feel yep. that there's a chance that i can get it off of there i mean golly most of the places you throw a carolina rig you're going to be in oysters down here so it's people always worry when they're snagged up in oysters or, or feel that pressure that they need to keep working until they stop feeling that pressure from the oysters. But I mean, you got to remember as soon as that fish eats, he's going to swim away from your rod tip, building pressure, lifting that Carolina rig nicely up out of that. The only, you're going to have a better chance of breaking off if you keep pulling on it and working that rig down into the oysters. If you just throw it out there, let it sit, the fish eats the mullet, swims away from the pressure gently lift that Carolina rig up off the oysters, you're 90% of the time fine. I mean, uh, unless there's yep. some, you know, crazy high edges or high relief that they can, you know, somebody and pop you off on. But, I mean, I would bet that 50% of the fish I catch every day that uh, if I'm Carolina rig fishing, that 50% of the cast are in oysters. So, uh, mm-hmm. it's you just let it sit, leave a little bit of slack in there, and that fish is going to pick it up and, and suspend that weight and hook and everything above the oysters. But one thing that I've really started trying to do is fish kind of my go-to is, is three quarter ounce weights. So a lot of times if I'm, even if I've got five people in the boat and I'm bait fishing, I only really fish four rods because you try to get five rods spread out. Even if the boat's sitting parallel to the bank, you know, or stern to where all your rod holders are, it is tough. You can, I think if, if you got the back of your boat, like your motor facing the bank, um, you can do it with your rod holders and kind of spread it out. But four rods is typically a good spread and I'll run two three quarter ounce weights those will be my shorter cast to the grass or to where I'm going and then I'll use two full ounce or one ounce weights um, and I'm using those to get further away so I'm just trying to get a big spread I mean if you are getting bit specifically in one little spot that can vary but but usually if I'm pulling up on a shoreline or an edge I'm trying to spread my baits out down a section of bank and 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 Varying those weights allows me to do that. I can fit. I, I want to fish as light as possible, you know, weight wise on my Carolina rig and still be able to stay where I want to be. But with the yeah. heavier weights, it allows me to spread out further. So that's as light as I can possibly go to be able to sit here and throw my rig way down there. So that the ounce weight is kind of where I, what I, what I go to. But 
Um, the other thing too is these mullet get bigger later in the summer. Sometimes you got to weight them down with a little bit more weight because they can, when they're real fresh, you turn out there, they'll drag the little you know little weights around a little bit. I was but, gonna say I kind of differ because I I I touch a lot of half ounce half ounce egg sinkers, but fishing out of the skiff and I'm only fishing you know maybe two at most three people. Those baits are, you know, they're kind of bumping down the bank, but not super fast and moving. But everybody's got their hands on the rod. They're managing them. It's not something that I'm just leaving sitting there as sure. much. I've, I've so. found with clients, typically, I catch more fish if we put the rods in the rod holder. You know, I don't, yep. I don't like to do that. I don't want to put a rod in a rod holder. It's more boring fishing. But if you're sitting out there and you're trying to catch as many fish as you can on bait, Put your rods in the rod holder. There's and fish a circle hook. There's no guessing when to set the hook. That's the biggest problem. Is I can sit there and tell people all day not to not to do anything when I first start to get bit. And then if I have the rod in my hand, I will start to mess with it as soon as I start to get bit. I mean, even just that little yeah. bit of movement, just moving it three inches, that weight dragging in the mud will spook the fish sometimes, and, and it'll, you know you won't get the actual the hook up. I mean, there's nothing better to do than to let that rod sit in the rod holder and let it bend over i tell people not to reel until it's done pulling drag for the first time so let that rod lay over the fish take off pull drag then you pay then you know that hook is set so yep. that's kind of how i feel about it but one thing that that i was telling mike and i think he was like he was saying he was doing yesterday i've been cast netting my mullet each day if i'm bait fishing and keeping them alive in the live well and cutting them in half and fishing fresh cut mullet. And I am crushing my bites compared to live mullet. Now, fresh cut pogies suck. I mean, it's they're, they're good when that's all you can get, but they get ripped off the hook this time of year by croakers almost as easily as shrimp. So um, fresh cut yeah. mullet, I'll fish a head section and a tail section. And, you know, if, if it's a smaller one, I'll just cut a little bit of the tail off of it. But I'm getting way more bites, you know, on the on that fresh cut bait and i think that's because you'll throw a rig out right now and it'll land in a thousand mullet and so when that redfish swims through and everything spreads away from where he is and there's that one dead mullet just sitting right there on the bottom with some fresh scent he's gonna eat it yeah what do you think mike no i think you're 100 percent right i think you know there's enough mullet around that they need something different it's kind of like when you throw a hot pink mirror lure through a group of bait and you let it sink out the bottom of it and it gets bit um, you know, it's just that one thing that's different that draws those fish in. So, I agree. Are there any other bait fishing tactics inshore? Or uh, let's talk artificials for a second. We talked about fly. Like, if you're going to go and blindly fish artificials right now this time of year, what's your go-to? Depends on my watercolor, but um, like down in the lower river, I man, I love Bloody Mary Sunday. If I'm going down there and I'm fishing artificials, that is the one bait I'm picking up and throwing off. Um, Bloody Mary Sunday, four inch diesel mono by Z Man. Um, you know, once the sun's up, before that, I'm throwing top water. Um, I don't know what it is, but this year I fished one knockers, I fished Rapala Skitter Walks, I fished the Yozuris, and. I would say 95% of my bites have come off the Yozuri. I don't know what the difference is. I don't know if it's just because I got confidence of throwing it more, but I've had more blow up, you know, early summer trout fishing. The few redfish that I've gotten on top waters, all of them have come off the Yozuri. Um, but, you know, that's, that's kind of my go to start with the top water, move to 
the Bloody Mary Sunday if I'm in the river, if I'm, you know, in cleaner water, say Topsail or whatever up this direction. I've been fishing a lot of beer run. Um, the flounder, for some reason, key in really, really well on it. So it gives me a good opportunity for both, you know, redfish and for flounder. And I've done really well on that color up here this year. So as we're starting to move into summer and, you know, we're getting more of the thunderstorms and that kind of stuff, and the water gets dirtier, you know, you kind of have to look through the day and see, or day to day, depending on what the weather's been and what the water clarity is. If the water's a little off color or stained, I might go to something a little darker or a little bit more of a solid color than the beer run because the beer run's kind of that translucent white on the top with the gold flake clear see-through on the bottom um so it's got a little bit of a two-tone color in it i think that's what helps you know get that bait recognized when it's in the water but um yeah stepping over to something that's a little bit more of a solid color and a little darker um Depending on the day, I'll start with one person throwing beer run and one person throwing something else and see what the difference is. So. No, I think that's genius. I, I'm with you. Top water, especially in a morning like right now, like if we could have been in the water from 530 until now throwing a top water plug, we probably would have crushed it. But, um, yeah. you know, spinnerbaits, gold spoons, dragon bigger white soft plastics on the bottom. The redfish will eat them because the mullet are getting bigger. But also this is the time of year you can just waylay flounder. Um, there's typically quite yeah. a few in, in, in the in the system, and fishing a big white soft plastic is a good way to, to get those bites and, and be visible. I mean, no matter what your water color is, but, man, Mike and I have been fishing some areas. We've been seeing absolute Tons doormats and piles of them, which is just good to see, you know. People are like, yeah. think we don't have a flounder issue, and maybe we don't anymore. Maybe the maybe this, you know, change has, has helped out, but – it's it's kind of embarrassing, Mike. I've been realizing, like, when people ask, like, all right, what what can't what, like even yesterday, the guys like, I don't want to keep anything, but what are your limits? Like, what can we, what could we keep if we wanted to fish and shore? I was like, well, it's gonna be hard to catch trout where we are, and you could keep one redfish. <laughs> and yeah. so it, he's like, it's just embarrassment to our fishery, really, is what it is that that are it's got to be managed that way. But we we don't need to get it all into that by any means, but. <laughs> Just, just, just food for thought for sure. But uh, I would say, you know, if I'm going to have four rods rigged up on the boat, ready to go by myself and fish, not sight fishing, I would have, you know, probably one of those longer jointed, I think it's the paddlers. It's the paddle tail by Z-Man mm-hmm. scented, a white one. I love that one for flounder and for redfish, really for anything. I've caught a few trout on it, maybe not for trout, but I haven't really fished it directly for trout. Um, yeah. I would have a gold spoon, I would have a spinner bait, and I would have a top water plug. That would be kind of my, my setup for the day. No. Do you like gold or silver on your spinner baits? Uh typically gold. I was gonna say I I feel like everybody goes with gold, but nobody ever really says silver. Yeah, silver so. I've seen people fish more in like the really clean, clear water. But I don't typically yeah. throw a spinner bait in that. I'm usually trying to sight fish, so uh, that dirtier water, I think the gold just resonates a little bit better in that dirty kind of river tannic water. Yep. What um, about you? I, I'm the same way. Gold. Throw gold if I'm going to pick one up. But like you said, I'm typically throwing it when I'm in the dirty river water. I'm not picking it up when I'm in cleaner water. But, um, you know, I also depends on what I'm pairing it with uh, as far as like a soft plastic or whatever below it. 
you know, I typically stick with the Bloody Mary Sunday. It's what I have confidence in. It's what I've crushed fish on color-wise for the last two years. So, um, you know, that's just kind of me. But it seemed like this year I haven't thrown the spinnerbait quite as much as I have in years past. I don't know if it's just not a confidence thing for me this year or what, but I've done – I feel like I've done better on – just a straight soft plastic than I have with a soft plastic with a spinnerbait. So I think it just depends on the year and depends on what the fish are wanting. But um, at least for this year, I feel like I've done better with just the straight soft plastic. So Agreed. Agreed. The straight soft plastic can be pretty solid. And, and man, the, you know, we've had so many thunderstorms this year, so much rain, you'd think we'd have such dirty water, but I've had it explained to me. No. La Nina, the prevailing onshore jet stream winds, pushing cleaner ocean water against the beach. So it's just constantly re- recycling through the system, keeping that inshore shallow water, you know, nice and visible. So uh, we really haven't dealt with, especially in the Cape Fear River, usually a couple times a summer we get like a week-long washout where it's just garbage water quality. Yeah. We really haven't had that. Even with all the rain, it's just been consistent enough that it's just kind of been nothing's camped on us. Everything's kind of dumped and gone, and, and we've had decent water quality to the great water quality all summer. Yeah. I don't say, I think the, the worst of it was when we got that giant rainstorm through like Hampstead. Um, oh man, that might've been yeah, three I weeks about ago. That. But it's yeah, still, it's, filled, it's cycled out in like two or three days. Yeah. The majority of it did, but like way back in the Creek was still pretty dirty. Like yesterday, um, there's some places that's just been super muddy that I haven't really been able to see fish in. Like I know they're there, I've been catching them, but I haven't been able to see them. And yesterday was like the first day that I felt like the water looked like normal summertime clarity up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's starting to, it's finally starting to get cleaned out all the way to the backs of the creeks. So like a week, two weeks ago, down by the inlet and the first like few creeks up from the inlet, freaking crystal clear. And then now it's like the further you get away from the inlet, the better and better and better it's starting to get. So, but also having that big flood tide that we just had, I think moved around a lot of water. That that was super helpful, getting some clean water into some new areas. So um, that's something else to think about. Like as people are moving forward, especially if you're in the sight fishing realm, just you know thinking about those big flood tides and when you're getting them and when afternoon storms come and you know if the water is dirty and you haven't been able to see fish in an area and you get a, you know, a few good flood tides, don't be afraid to go in and check some new spots that you hadn't been able to get good clean water in. Cause you might have some that's trapped in there, or, you know, flushed out and cleaned it up some. Yeah. That's a good so. point. That's a good point that, that clean water can kind of settle into some areas after a big flood. It also, like you said, just flushes everything out, which is good. Um, yeah. very helpful, very, very helpful. But, um, well, man, anything else you can think that that's just really relevant to right now, um, fishery wise, otherwise we're going to wrap her up and, and, uh, and get going. No, I think, I think we've done pretty well covering everything I'm thinking about for summertime. Um, I will say summertime, don't be afraid to, this, this is something me and Judd looked at the other day or I had experience with in our fly tournament. You know, we're throwing tan, throwing tan, throwing tan, and we're just like, we're not getting bit. You're like, what in the world is going on? And, like, the third fish that Judd had just fantastic shot on. This fish swims up to six inches from his fly. I mean, and he's just dancing it beautifully in front of it, and fish just blows off of it. And, you know, if you're going through the day and – 
you're not getting the bites that you think you need, go ahead. You know, if you spend an hour and you're like, I feel like I should put on a fish or I should have caught in a fish by now, don't be afraid to change it up. Because, I mean, as soon as we went from tan, even though we were in clean water, we went to black. And as soon as we made the fly switch, we got bit. Um, you know, these fish, they're, they're moving, their, their patterns are changing. So don't be afraid to, to bust something new or different or whatever out of the box. Cause I fed two the day before on pan on fly and turn around the next day and they wouldn't touch it. So just, you know, don't be afraid to bust something new out and try try a different color or presenting it a different way or whatever. Cause every day is going to be a little bit of a change, especially going into this little you know, going into that heavy summer pattern at the end of the year. Um, I agree. I think that that's a good, uh, a good way to kind of wrap it up is don't be afraid to to try something different. Whether it's color, a new bait, a new area, just uh, never be afraid to try something different. But guys, thanks for checking out another episode of Eastern Current. We're back. We're going to be steady every week again. Typically every summer that like, you know, July, early August, it just gets tough. We're, we're swamped. It's hot. We are, we're, we've got to entertain kids now, too, in the evenings when we get home. And so it's it's just a little tough that time of year. It's just our busiest time. But school started back up. Things are starting to slow. We're not running as many doubles each week, and we're able to have that time um, to pour back into this podcast. And we just thank you all so much for y'all's, y'all's support, y'all's uh, love of this podcast. Uh, we just want to bring you all good quality content that, that you can enjoy to listen to, you can learn from, um, wholesome, good family content, and, and we do love doing this. Um, I do uh, – I have been – I think this is just a uh, announcement I should make is I still do have Instagram. I haven't deleted my account, but I have pretty much had it deleted from my phone all summer. I've downloaded it four or five times to make a quick little post on my story about the tournament a couple different times, but I'm really trying to kind of get away from Instagram, get away from social media. I had a really unhealthy relationship with it. And I think it's just a good place for me to be is I'm not deleting the account. I'll still, you can still reach me there. Um, my wife's actually logging on a couple times a week and looking to see if I have any inquiries, but I just, I just don't like Instagram. I don't like the comparison, the, the uncontentment of, you know, how, how I feel when I see what other people are doing, my, my drive to like post a ton of pictures to show people that I'm catching fish. I just, I wanted to do away, do away with it. And that's kind of where I'm at. So if you are reaching out about a fishing trip or or want to get up with me, the best way is through my phone number, which can be found on our, on our website, Eastern Angling, through our email. Um, any of that works great. Um, but again, if you do hit us up on Instagram, we will get it back up with you, but it might be a little while. So, um, Thank you all for your support. We're going to get back into doing some YouTube videos. We've got some sitting on go that need to be edited. Uh, But once we kind of get into that slow season, we just can't keep up with it in the summer. But we do love creating it. So Mike and I are excited to jump back into um, creating some video content for you all uh, once we slow down just a little bit more and have that time away. Because it's so important, you know, when we run our guide trips that after that, we want to be hanging out with our family. So, you know, even a four-hour day, like a half day guide trip is about eight to 10 hours on us mm-hmm. by the time we've like yeah. prepped our boat the night before, gotten our boat cleaned up afterwards, gotten rods ready, you know, got the boat put back in the shed. So it's, it's, a, it's long days this time of year. And we are, we are very thankful for them, but we are excited to, to have more time to bring y'all some content because we really do love guiding. But I think our true passion is, is, is teaching um, through, through the podcast and through video. So 
looking forward to, to doing some more of that for y'all. And, and uh, thank y'all as always for your support. Mike, do you have anything to sh- add to that? Or are you good? No, I think you nailed it on the head there, man. Sweet. Well, guys, thanks for listening, and we will see y'all in the next one. Later. If you're anything like me, you like a clean boat. That's why I've chosen to partner with Carolina First Made out of South Carolina. Carolina First Made is a family-owned business that provides environmentally friendly boat cleaning alternatives. My two favorite products are their hole cleaner that doesn't harm your trailer and their boat wash. Be sure to use code EC15 for 15% off your online purchase. If you're interested in checking out all their products, you can find a link to their website in the podcast show notes.